Hello and welcome to Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained, the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your host? I'm Marianne. And I would like to welcome you to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, today, whatever time it is, wherever you are living in this beautiful world of ours. So sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and discover what awaits us there. A little while ago, I received an email from a listener in the United States. His name was Rob. He initially emailed me stating that he had an experience when he was visiting New Zealand that he would like to share and get my opinion on. I was actually really thrilled to get this email because his was the first email the show had received and it sort of made me feel that my show was legitimate in a sense. So I emailed him back, telling him I would love to hear of his experience, and I absolutely meant it, as I would love to hear of any of your experiences as well. So he shared with me a story of an experience that he had with the Patipaarehe, or the New Zealand fairy folk, during a visit to the Waitomo district in the North Island of New Zealand. It is a long but very interesting experience, and he also has a photo of the spot where he felt he was being observed from that shows something anomalous. The photos are on this episode's page on the podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. During our correspondence, I asked him if I could share his story with you all, and would he be prepared to share it in his own words, because I always prefer to get people to share their experiences in their own words first and foremost. But as with a large number of people, Rob was a tad reticent about this, but he did give me permission to share his story with you. So as this is an extra episode for the end of our first season of the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast and our 20th episode, it's sort of a milestone for me and I wanted to share his experience with you before this our first season ended. Also, I've had a few people ask me some questions about myself, my background and how I got into this area of interest. And I realised that when I started this podcast, I never really introduced myself. So this is a sort of a retro introduction for you all. It won't be long. I don't want to bore you all because this podcast isn't about me. It's about the subjects I cover in the episodes. And finally, I'll share some recent feedback received from listeners like yourself. So this episode is merely a tiny detour into the Shadowlands to hear Rob's experience. Let's begin. My plan was to take a week to drive around the North Island of New Zealand and then fly up to Cairns, Australia. After a couple of days of snorkelling in the Great Barrier Reef, I was to finish out my trip with another couple of days on the North Island before flying back to the United States. This story begins on the fourth day in New Zealand. 
After a few hours of driving that day, I was starting to get a little anxious to get out and stretch my legs. I was driving along Highway 3 when I noticed a sign that said, Waitanuru Falls. I needed to make a decision at that moment. Do I continue on so that I can relax at my hotel room for the night, or do I go out of my way to see a waterfall that I will probably never get the chance to see again? For anyone that knows me, this decision was easy. I swung a quick left and began the detour. The further that I drove, the more that I noticed there was no one else around me. I made it all the way to the little pull-off without passing another car. I got out of my car and took a look at the sign next to the start of the trailhead. Waitanuru Falls, lookout point, 225 metres, 10 minutes, is all that it said. From what I could see, the entire hike was going to be through thick forest. I put on my jacket and made sure I had everything that I needed inside my backpack to take photos of the waterfall. It was around 5.30pm when I finally began the trek down the steps. The combination of the tree canopy and cloud coverage made for a very dark hike. I could see little ways ahead of me, but that was the extent of my visibility. The first few minutes went by quickly as I was going down the forest steps. As soon as I reached the halfway point, however, I got the weird feeling that something was watching me. A chill ran up my spine that lasted longer than I'd ever felt it before in my life. I looked around wildly, trying to figure out what was the cause of this feeling. I could not see anything amongst the bushes and trees. I figured that my mind was playing tricks on me, so I shook off the feeling and continued on. The pathway led down to a platform that overlooked the waterfall. Upon reaching the waterfall, the entire trip was worthwhile. The waterfall was absolutely beautiful, and I felt a lot better down there as well. Taking a look around from the platform, there was a possibility that I could climb through the bushes down to the pool at the bottom of the hill, which might give a different perspective in my photos than everyone else that visited this place. There also seemed to be a cave behind the falls, which might be cool to check out. The thing was, if I fell and hurt myself, I did not have phone service in the country, so no one would know where I was. Also, if my backpack fell in the water, all my camera equipment would be ruined. There were just too many negatives and not enough positives to validate the risk. Instead, I pulled out my phone to take a couple of photos of my surroundings. I took a photo of the waterfall, followed by a photo of the forest. Neither of the photos turned out very well, so I began to get my tripod and Canon camera set up. After a few nice long exposure shots of the waterfall, I was content with what I had captured and decided to put my gear back into my backpack. I spent about 15 minutes down by the waterfall before starting the trek back to the car. Just like the beginning of the hike, the first few minutes flew by as I climbed the forest steps. All of a sudden, I began to get the same feeling as before. I looked around and noticed I was in the same spot as I was on my way down. My heart was racing and my hair was standing on end. To get this feeling once, I could understand, but twice at the same location, there is only one explanation for it. Something was out there. I quickened my pace up the steps into the early evening. Once again, my vehicle was the only one around. I placed my backpack in the front seat with me and decided to take a video for my family on my gut reaction to this experience. I turn on the car and start to drive away when I realise what I am listening to. The song was none other than The Invisible Man by Queen. 
For fear that there would be other creepy music on the other radio stations, I let it play until its end. I finally reached my end destination for the evening, the Watomo Caves Hotel, was one of two hotels that I booked for my trip while still in the United States, the other being a two-night stay in Cairns. From the moment I first walked into the hotel, I got a feeling that this hotel was old. I do not mean it was ancient and broken down. I mean that there is definitely history in this building. I checked in, and as I walked through the hallways, all that came to my mind was the movie The Shining. There was nothing but wallpaper on the walls, and every so often there was a small tear in it. As I walked up the stairs to the second level, I passed large portraits of ancient Maori people. I finally made it to my room at the end of the hallway. The room was nice. It still had that old feeling, but it was a bit different. As I went back down to my vehicle to bring up my luggage, an interesting thought came to mind. You hear about places that get built on ancient native burial grounds being haunted, and this place had that feeling. When I made it back up to my room with my luggage, I pulled out my laptop to research my suspicions. Seconds after hitting the enter on my keyboard, link after link showed up, explaining why this was the most haunted building in New Zealand. The more that I read, the more I became curious what the staff had to say about it. I went down to the front desk and spoke to the woman who originally checked me in. I asked the lady if there was any chance that this place was haunted. She gave me a worried look before answering me with a question of her own. You didn't look up the history of this hotel, did you? I told her that I hadn't before I arrived, but I had an unusual feeling upon arrival. I began my questions. She proceeds to answer all that I had and then more about the hotel. She explained how 14 people had passed away while inside the building. There are three basements, two of which the employees don't like to go down into, the third being padlocked shut because weird things happen down there. There's also a secret entrance into the glowworm caves in that third basement. The more that I heard from her, the more I started to think about what happened to me that morning in the forest. I decided to tell her my story. As I recite the events, I could see a stunned look on her face. The further I got into the story, the more I could see it weighing on her. She did not know what to say at first, when I finished explaining what had transpired. As her thoughts came back to the present moment, she turned to me and asked if I had any photos or videos of the forest. I hadn't checked my camera photos yet, but I did have a photo on my phone. I pulled up the photo of the forest. I noticed nothing at first. After zooming into the middle right portion of the photo, a blue face became visible. Thinking back to some of the research that I did on the hotel earlier that day, I remembered reading Watomo Caves Hotel is situated upon a naturally high point in an area of limestone rock, honeycombed with natural caves and underground streams. Many of these caves are regarded as tapu, sacred by the local Maori, and are said to be inhabited by tanifa, guardians or predator beings that live in deep pools, in rivers, dark caves, or in the sea, and the patupārehe, who according to Maori folklore are pale-skinned spirit beings that live in deep forest and mountaintops in New Zealand, and who are said to lure people to their doom. I decided to look up what a patupārehe looked like. The only picture I could find online of this creature was a stamp. It depicted a being with many of the attributes of man, but with one difference. Its skin was blue. My blood ran cold. I looked over at the front desk girl and I could see exactly what I was feeling expressed on her face as we attempted to learn more about the Patipa Rehe. The more we found, 
There wasn't much information about them. At least, we couldn't find any recent information. It was tough to sleep that night with everything that I had learned, but I managed to get a little bit of rest. I woke up the following morning, packed up my stuff and checked out of the hotel. As I was having my breakfast, I had a decision to make. For the couple of days that I had remaining in New Zealand after snorkelling in the Great Barrier Reef, do I go back to the Watanguru Falls and try to find whatever was out there with me? The issue with this option was that I still do not have phone service. If I get attacked by whatever I photographed out there, no one would be able to help me. Also, if I don't get the same feeling that I did while walking through the forest, then the trip would all be for nothing since I already captured a great photo of the falls. The second option was to go to Rotorua, which has a large Māori population so that I could ask questions about the Patipaarehe. Upon landing back in New Zealand a few days later, I had made up my mind. I would be driving down to Rotorua. Three hours later, I had arrived in the small lake town. I signed up for a Māori cultural experience for that evening. The cultural experience was amazing. We got separated into groups so that we could visit each of the different stations that were set up there. At the first station, there were a couple of young Māori women that taught us about the games that their ancestors used to play to work on agility. At the end of their demonstration, they asked if we had any questions. I asked how much they knew about the Patipaarea here. They both gave me a shocked face and responded by saying that they knew a little bit. Since my group had no idea what I was talking about and because our time at that station was over, they all started walking away. I told the girls that I had a situation with one a few days before and I had a photo of it. Since my group was leaving and another group was approaching, I told the girls that I would talk to them later about it and then I went to join my group. The next station was led by one of the Māori men. He began talking about the weapons that their people used to fight with. As I was listening to him, I felt someone grab my arm. It was one of the girls that I had talked to at the last station. She told me her sister and her grandmother wanted to hear my story and see the photo that I had taken. As I told them the story, their eyes began to get bigger and bigger. When I had finished and showed them the photo, they told me that they had never seen a photo of a patupareha before, but this definitely was one. I spoke to them for a short bit longer and then rejoined my group, because the third station we had the opportunity to learn a bit of the haka. The fourth station was what I was waiting for. The chief and his cousin were finishing up their explanation on how their culture fits into the world today, when they also asked if we had any questions. Once more, I asked how much they knew about the Patupaarehe. The chief's cousin responds by saying he knew a decent amount, just like I said to the two girls. I told him that I had a situation with one and I thought that I have a photo of it. Again, my group starts to walk away. The chief stood up and said we should talk over by the side. I began my story once again. When I had finished recounting the events, he began telling me a situation that his uncle had gone through with the Patupaarehe. He then called over his cousin and asked me to tell him my story. To my disbelief, when I had concluded my story, the cousin did not have a look of shock like all that had heard the story beforehand. Instead, he only turned to me and said, So, there is a couple of things. First, you are lucky to be alive. The Patipaarehe do kill people. Second, you are lucky to have had this experience because most Māori people will never have an experience like this in their lifetime. So I do know the area that you were in. I also know that waterfall. The waterfall drops into a healing pool. 
When the Māori warriors came back from war, they would bathe in that pool. All of the elders would circle around the warriors and pray for them. The cave behind that waterfall still holds the remains to some of the ancient Māori people. If you were to stay any longer or went down and disturbed any of the sacred land, the Patipaarehe would have come after you. Also, the Patipaarehe put off fear as a warning before attacking. This might explain the feeling you had as you were walking down and back up from the falls. I could not believe what I had heard. Even after everything that I had researched, I still had doubts on everything that I went through that day. I had come across a patipaarehe in the wild and survived. So that was Rob's experience. If you want to have a look at the photo he took, you can find it on this episode's page of the podcast website at www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. The photo is a little pixelated due to only having been taken by a cell phone. I'll leave it up to you to decide what you see or do not see there. Thank you so much, Rob, for taking the time to both reach out to me to share your story and especially for allowing me to share it with all our listeners. It's a most interesting experience. So thank you, Rob. It's always really hard talking about oneself. So I'll try and keep this really brief. I was for many decades. Yes, I am that old a trained nurse working in New Zealand's free public hospitals. I was a cardiothoracic and vascular surgical nurse immediately post-op. This was my favourite area of nursing in all my nursing career. I had worked in many other areas over the years, but this area really holds my heart, no pun intended. I worked at the Waikato Hospital in their post-op ward. A big shout-out to any from there who may be listening and to all members of New Zealand's Zipper Club. I nursed since I was legally old enough to begin nursing at 17 years of age and when training was still on the job and hospital-based. My nursing career was ended by an accident I had on duty one night. My preferred shift was night shift from 11pm to 7am. I slipped and fell in some fluid. A patient had accidentally spilled onto the floor. I didn't see it in the dark and she was a little confused so couldn't warn me. I badly damaged my back and I was nine weeks pregnant at the time and that effectively ended my nursing career. I still to this day miss nursing and knowing that my actions are making a positive physical and emotional difference in someone's lives, even if it was only to help them transition from one reality into another with as much dignity and comfort as is possible. So I went to university and retrained as a computer graphics designer, specialising in website and graphics design. And that's what I do today. I have always been a creative person and have been at various points an artist, sculptor and artisan jeweller. Well, actually, I'm still an artist. I just don't get as much time these days to, to create art as I would like to and I don't have the space where I'm currently living. I have linked on this episode's page a link to my online portfolio for those interested enough to have a look at some of my work. Creativity has always been a part of my life and during my nursing years expressed itself mostly in theatre and stage productions and in latter years doing voiceover work, particularly in the years I lived in North Carolina before I returned to New Zealand to live. On a spiritual level, I am now and have always been the sensitive. 
and I have been aware of the unseen realms around us all my life, not only on this planet, having been an experiencer and having had multiple UFO encounters my entire life. I have never been shy about speaking up about my experiences both on this planet and of my experience with UFOs and star people. I simply speak up. In my younger years, I learned to not care what others thought. It never, ever stopped me from speaking my truth, and honestly, what they thought was none of my business. A few years ago, I decided to create an online group, Walking the Shadowlands, that currently has a membership of over 4,200 members, where we discuss all these sorts of topics. It was members of this group who initially suggested that I create this podcast. So a big shout out to all of you from Walking the Shadowlands who are listening at this moment. And thank you for the encouragement and the support to create this podcast. Anyone can join the group. It's a private group due to the sensitive nature of things members will share. So in order to join, you have to answer all the questions and agree to the group rules if you're interested in joining it. So that's me briefly, where I come from and why I have such an interest in the Shadowlands. I have always said that being a sensitive is like living with one foot in the land of our shared reality and another in the land of the shadows. Hence the name of this podcast. Here's some recent feedback received for the show. All of these feedbacks are from listeners in New Zealand this time around. I think currently only about 25% of my listenership is in New Zealand. The rest is spread all over the world, which is absolutely wonderful. Okay. Lania. I have just listened to one of Marianne's podcasts about the Patupārehe people and oh my goodness, I highly recommend listening to them if you have interest in the subjects. Really well done with real people's experiences. Brilliantly done. Thank you very much Marianne. I just added a picture of a puturino, the flute mentioned in the podcast. And you can see that on the website page. Iona, yes, great information, and Marianne is wonderful and genuinely gifted. Michelle, fantastic podcast with really interesting content and interviews, absolutely top-notch. Best podcasts I've listened to on everything supernatural, couldn't recommend more. Danielle, great content and topics. Tracy, very interesting content. Holly, very informative, 5 out of 5 star rating from me. Lee, the podcasts are really, really well done, and the level of research gone into each one is outstanding. Melina, great content and informative. So, there we have Rob's most interesting experience and photo, a bit about myself and recent feedback from listeners like yourself. This concludes the first season of my podcast. I'm taking two weeks off to be able to have a bit of a breather and to create more interesting content for you all to listen to and to enjoy. 
Researching my episodes is never a quick thing for me. I take anywhere from 5 to 30 hours per episode for research. Even if I know the topic very well, and I try to provide as many links as possible for those wanting to research further for themselves. In Season 2, I'll be creating a few episodes on UFO and star people with an interview that I'm still trying to tee up for you all. I will also be trying to find some great people for you all to listen to as well as new and interesting content. With the Shadowlands, you can bet that there is no shortage of subjects we can discuss or people's experiences that we can share. If you have any suggestions for topics that you might like me to cover in upcoming episodes, then please don't hesitate to contact me. Or if any of you have any questions or any comments that you'd like to make or experiences that you might like to share with myself and my audience, as Rob did, then just email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com or if you're a member of Anchor at anchor.fm then you can leave me a voice message via their platform which I could include in an upcoming episode. If you enjoyed this episode then please leave a positive rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes or on your chosen podcasting platform. Who knows? You may hear your review read out at the end of one of these podcasts. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and soon to be available from iHeartRadio as well. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more the merrier. Please consider supporting this show on Patreon.com. You can check out the link on our website. Check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name, and our Twitter feed, at Shadowlands10. Like and follow for hints on our upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Tonight, today, wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours, we'll see you this time next week. Thanks for listening. 